All right, everybody, welcome to episode nine of the Backseat Huddle podcast. I am your host, Tristan Weber, and today I'm going to be talking to you guys all about the trade deadline in the past, all the trades that happened in the past week. So today I'm going to start off with the Bills trading for Naheem Hines, and I have to be honest, I hate this trade. I understand what they're looking for. They're looking likely to get third down, pass catching, pass blocking, running back to replace Zach Moss, who they had basically moved off of anyway. And I understand the idea. But what I don't understand from the Bills is why you didn't go get Kareem Hunt. I'm sure that the price tag felt too high for Kareem Hunt. But if what the Bills sorely need is a difference maker in the running game. That is their one area of weakness. That is the place where your one your team is not elite. So what price tag could possibly be too high for you to take that next step to go from Super Bowl contender to pro hip? Really, you are the Super Bowl favorite, but what price tag could be too high for you as the Super Bowl favorite to not shore up your one weakness? Kareem Hunt very may well could be what moves you into that space where you are almost the closest thing to a lock to get to and potentially win the Super Bowl. Why would you not pay that price? Your team is likely the best in the NFL and your weakness is one score games. Moreover, closing out one score games. What helps you close out one score games? An elite running game. We've seen this happen. The NFL is a go-for-it league, okay? We watched the Rams go for it. They traded, they traded, they traded. We watched the San Francisco 49ers go for it. They traded for Christian McCaffrey, which obviously Kareem Hunt is not the caliber of player that Christian McCaffrey is, but Kareem Hunt is no scrub. At one point, Kareem Hunt led the NFL in rushing. We watched the Rams make big trades for Jalen Ramsey, big trades for Von Miller, and the Buffalo Bills What is to say that Kareem Hunt would not be their version of Von Miller. That one piece that you need, Britt, takes you over the hump to get you to and win the championship. They basically have everything else. They have elite weapons on the outside. They have an elite quarterback. They have an elite defense. They have an elite pass rush. They have elite players on their back end. What they don't have is an excellent running game. So what price could they possibly have wanted from you for you not to pay it to potentially win the Super Bowl? I just don't understand it. You had an opportunity to address your biggest weakness in a big way, and you as the Buffalo Bills did not take it. Even if it's a first, a first and a second, a first and a third, a first and a fourth, what price could possibly be too steep for you to shore up your one weakness? The NFL is a go-for-it league, and the Buffalo Bills did not go for it. And I'm so disappointed that they cheaped out and went with Naheem Hines. Which isn't to say Naheem Hines, Hines is a bad player, because he's not. Kareem Hunt is just a difference maker. The Buffalo Bills had an opportunity, and we know Kareem Hunt was on the trade block. The Buffalo Bills had an opportunity to go get a difference maker and they settled. 
And I hate that for the Buffalo Bills. I hate that for Buffalo Bills fans. And I hate that as someone who likes watching the Buffalo Bills play, that they could have an another excellent piece on what is very likely the piece to solve the Super Bowl puzzle. In my opinion, that's what kind of difference Kareem Hunt makes on this team. Kareem Hunt alone is potentially not a Super Bowl difference maker, but when you add him to a roster like the Buffalo Bills, it is very much potentially a Super Bowl moving piece. So I hate that the Buffalo Bills did not just go for it. Moving on to something I don't have a strong opinion about, as strong of an opinion about, is the Bears made two major trades. The Bears sent Roquan Smith to the Ravens, which is a bit of an odd move for the Ravens, in my opinion. I like that the Ravens are just continuing to go all in on their win-now mode. They're doubling down on that. They clearly feel, and rightfully so, that they are very close to winning a Super Bowl However, it's a bit of an odd trade for the Ravens to get Roquan Smith because it's basically them saying that they feel they're an inside linebacker away from winning a Super Bowl. Which isn't really a thing. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that inside linebackers don't have value, but what I am saying is I cannot remember a time ever where I thought, damn, this team is an inside linebacker away from being a Super Bowl lock. I don't feel like I've ever thought that or felt that about a team before. Inside linebacker just doesn't feel like a position that will have an exceptional impact come January, rather December, January, February, like the Ravens are hoping to have more success in that time frame. With all that said, I do understand what the Ravens are thinking. The Ravens added an elite piece to a contending team, which will always make sense. And will always make sense if you continue to feel that you are one or two players shy from potentially being a Super Bowl winning team. But another head-scratching moment of this is that Roquan Smith is on an expiring contract. So... What the Ravens are adding is potentially a rental player for one year. And do we feel, once again, like inside linebacker is an impactful enough position to be a rental player? I brought him up before, but Von Miller was effectively a rental player for the Rams. But he is in an impactful position. An edge rusher, an experienced pass rusher, a soon-to-be future Hall of Fame pass rusher, makes sense. That's an impactful position enough like Odell Beckham Jr. to, as a wide receiver, to be an impact player down the road and make an impact at, because of their position. Do we think that inside linebacker is the same type of impactful position? I don't. That's just a personal thing. On the other side of this trade, the Chicago Bears added a second and fifth round pick for Roquan Smith, which I'm pretty sure they were just going to let him walk in free agency this season. So basically they got something instead of just a basic compensatory pick, which I understand it makes sense to me and a late second and a late fifth doesn't necessarily feel like a lot or potentially enough for a player like Roquan Smith. However, what he, that, that trade does do is add flexibility with those picks and it, he's essentially just an aid in what is going to be very likely a very busy offseason for the Chicago Bears. What the Bears are doing right now makes perfect sense to me. 
they're effectively following the formula that we have watched other teams use to build a Super Bowl roster, which is load up while you have a young cornerback on a rookie deal. And that's exactly what they have right now. The Bears have the most cap space in the NFL. They also have eight picks in this upcoming draft, five of which are in the first four rounds. And that's after the Chase Claypool trade. This team is obviously preparing to go all in this offseason and build the team around Justin Fields, which is exactly what they should do and is exactly what the Chase Claypool trade is indicative of. The Chase Claypool trade also makes a ton of sense for the Bears. They needed help on the outside, and they got a guy who has upside. Now, obviously, Chase Claypool has not had the same production since his 11-touchdown rookie season, but it feels like a bit of a no-brainer for the Bears. They have a quarterback in Justin Fields whose accuracy can kind of come and go, and that's where it makes sense to bring in a player like Chase Claypool who has a giant catch radius. So if his accuracy happens to go, if you will, or he throws a potentially somewhat inaccurate ball to Chase Claypool, he's the type of player who can make a play, track the ball down, and go get it, and potentially save the Bears, if you will, in that scenario. The Chase Claypool trade also adds a toss-it-up dimension to the Bears' offense, which they potentially did not have before. Obviously, Chase Claypool's a big dude. They can send him on a go route and Justin Fields can throw up a 50-50 ball and he can more or less expect Chase Claypool to come down with it, which is obviously a nice compliment to who they have on the other side in Darnell Mooney, who is a bit of a smaller, speedier type of guy. So now they have two complementary players for him to toss the ball to and a player that potentially complements what Justin Fields' weakness is in his accuracy. So I actually really like this trade perhaps more than others do, and they also do still have the ability to go out and get a true wide receiver one to complement Darnell Mooney and then Chase Claypool this offseason. They have the money to do it, and they have the draft picks to do it too. An underrated trade, in my opinion, is the Jacksonville Jaguars traded for wide receiver Calvin Ridley from the Falcons. Now, the actual draft pick compensation for the Falcons is a little odd, but the dumbed down version of it is the maximum is a fifth and a second round pick. Okay. Personally, I feel like that is a bit of a lot for a 28 year old wide receiver. However, there is an argument to be made that he has a fresh body as he spent this season suspended. And last season he took some time off for let's just call it how it is mental health reasons, which we'll leave that one alone. We'll let him have his, have his moment. So he does have a fresh body, but it makes sense to me for the Jaguars for this reason is they went out and got Trevor Lawrence, a wide receiver one, perhaps a low end wide receiver one, but all over the league, we are seeing wide receivers make a huge impact for young quarterbacks. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. We watched Stephon Diggs have a huge impact on Josh Allen. We're watching AJ Brown have a huge impact on Jalen Hurts, and we're watching Tariq Hill have a huge impact impact on Tua Tungavailoa down in Miami. Wide receiver ones make a big difference for young quarterbacks. And right now the Jaguars still believe Trevor Lawrence is their guy. And for good reason, he at least looks the part. He hasn't potentially really win a lot, but this trade could help him kind of move more into that space of winning the games and making him the quarterback that they think and feel that he is down there in Jacksonville. On the other side of this, 
the trade for Atlanta makes some sense. Uh, I don't, it doesn't make a hundred percent sense to me, but here's what I think Atlanta is doing by trading Calvin Ridley for those two picks is I believe what they're going to try and do is package those two picks and try and move up in the draft and try and select a superstar quarterback in this year's draft. So they have Spencer Riddler Riddler on the roster currently, but when you are the Falcons, it makes a little bit more sense to try and go get someone who is a big name, a CJ Stroud, potentially a Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, someone of that nature. That's what I suspect that they're going to do, but obviously time will tell. If that's what their goal is here, what this trade makes sense to me. If that's not their goal, I don't understand why you would get rid of a potential wide receiver one for Spencer Riddler, which they may feel that Drake London and they may feel that Kyle Pitts are enough, but in today's weapons league, it makes sense to have more weapons than fewer weapons, especially with a young quarterback who can use all the support that he can get. And lastly, I'd like to talk about the Chiefs trading for Kadarius Toney. Now, this trade actually happened about a week ago as of me recording this. But the New York Giants sent Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs in what could end up being a really impactful trade, in my opinion, uh, for the Chiefs, which it was a mutually beneficial trade. I mean, it didn't seem like Kadarius Toney wanted to be in New York. He had kind of an attitude issue. Uh, and obviously, it's going to depend a lot on the health of Kadarius Tony, but let's assume he's going to be healthy for the sake of this argument. Okay. So personally, I think the chiefs are going to win this argument are going to win this trade for quite a few reasons. But before I get into that, this Kadarius Tony trade really reminds me a lot of Antonio Brown going to Tampa and new England. Uh, we obviously don't see Kadarius Tony as a type of player that AB is, but I feel like there's a lot of parallels to this scenario. So when AB went to New England slash Tampa, he had some character issues, but he was going to a team with a strong head coach, a strong quarterback, and a team that didn't necessarily need him. So Tampa had Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Gronk, and at that time, Scotty Miller was making an impact on that team in 2020. And this is exactly what Kadarius Tony is walking into. The Chiefs have a strong Hall of Fame head coach, a strong quarterback, and a wide receiver room that doesn't necessarily need him. They are getting production out of the wide receivers that they have there. So if there's any team that is going to help get Kadarius Tony on the straight and narrow path, it makes sense that it would be the Kansas City Chiefs. It's also a good fit schematically because Andy Reid's a good fit schematically for anybody. But moreover, Kadarius Tony has a lot of the traits that Tyreek Hill possesses, which they obviously just lost. Now, obviously, broad strokes, he's not, at least we don't think, the player that Tyreek Hill is. He doesn't have the same game-breaking speed, but the ability that Tyreek Hill has where, you know, you just throw him a quick little slant or a quick bubble screen, a yard behind the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden he's going 60 yards to the house, is very much an element of Kadarius Tony's game. I mean, there's a reason that scouts and players started to fawn over him prior to him being drafted at Florida. It's because he's got a lot of wow and a lot of excitement to his game. So I very much feel if he stays healthy, the Chiefs will win this trade big time. And Andy Reid obviously is a big part of that because like I said before, Andy Reid makes every player work. Cool? So that's it. That's my show. Hopefully y'all liked it. Thank you for tuning in. Take care, everybody.